Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 5, Episode 15, Sugawara Michizane's Revenge. After the death of Fujiwara Tokihira, his brother Tadahira took over leadership of the clan. Tokihira had been the eldest, but Tadahira was not his next oldest brother. Fujiwara Nakahira was the second in the birth order, but he appears to have been stepped over by his ambitious younger brother Tadahira, who swiftly took the reins of the clan and set about gaining honors and promotions in court. He served as Dainagon, or vice-chancellor, for a stretch, but in terms of real political power, there could be little doubt that Tadahira was top of the heap. By this point, the Fujiwara clan had a few sources of power that practically ensured their continued elevation above their fellow Kuge clans. Their vast Shoen estates provided them with reliable income apart from their salaries as court officers. They supported a steady flow of aspiring scholars from the clan who served in a variety of lower offices, and their higher-ranking members were usually able to arrange marriage to crown princes and emperors alike. Wealth, education, and influence. Three prongs in a very powerful trident. In 914, Tadahira was promoted to Udaijin, Minister of the Right, and ten years later, in 924, he was promoted to Sadaijin, Minister of the Left. He took some interest in supporting his late eldest brother's land reforms, and I believe that the further edicts which Tokihira had recommended were indeed issued, but there was one rather large problem with these reforms— no one created any practical mechanism by which they would be enforced. Apart from a partial and very temporary revival of the equal field land allotment system, there was almost no practical change regarding the ownership and management of private show ends. Temples and wealthy provincial magnates continued to expand their estates by reclaiming unused land and accepting donations from smallholders which they happily folded into their portfolios. There is some evidence that they expanded more slowly during the early 900s, possibly as an attempt to compromise with the court. With Heian period Japan's limited population, this meant fewer workers to farm the public fields and pay the grain tax. The level of everyday violence in the provinces themselves, meanwhile, was increasing throughout the early 900s. In addition to the usual violent flare-ups between provincial officials, like the Hirono River incident I described in episode 11, The First Child Emperor, banditry plagued the countryside and poorly defended villages were frequently raided. Burglary was also on the rise at this time and the fine houses of the wealthy were targeted, as well as the imperial palace itself. The imperial guards began performing all-night patrols, hoping to discourage this thievery. The capital itself was in a sorry state by this point. Many of its buildings had been destroyed by fire or had collapsed from disrepair, and rebuilding was simply not an option due to the poor tax revenues collected by the court. 
Tax farming was the rule of collection in the provinces now, which further embittered both the common people and disaffected aristocrats against the imperial government. While many of these misfortunes had been years in the making, a few others struck closer to home. In 904, the court had approved two-year-old Prince Yasuakira to become the heir to the throne, a maneuver of Fujiwara Tokihira, who was the boy's uncle through his mother, and likely expected that the crown prince would name him as regent when the time came. In 923, however, long after Tokihira had died himself, Crown Prince Yasuakira grew ill and died at the age of 21. There had been whispers among the spiritually inclined back in 909, when the 39-year-old Fujiwara Tokihira died, that Sugawara Michizane's ghost may have been responsible. But it was not entirely unusual for people to die in their late 30s in those times, especially people who pursued the kind of raucous lifestyle attributed to Tokihira. The crown prince's death in 923, however, confirmed in the minds of many kuge that Michizane's ghost was eager to avenge the wrongs he had suffered in life. Emperor Daigo acted quickly on this, destroying the edicts that announced his demotion of office and subsequent exile, as well as issuing a new edict that posthumously restored Michizane's previous appointment as Udaijin, Minister of the Right, and even promoted him to the very top rank. Many hoped that this would end the matter, and that no further misfortune might befall the imperial family due to the actions of an aggrieved spirit. A new heir was chosen, the three-year-old Prince Yoriyoshi. Two years later, however, the boy died at age five. Michizane's ghost, it seemed, was not yet satisfied. More services honoring Michizane were performed at his shrine in Dazaifu, and I believe it was somewhere along this timeline that the direct records of Michizane's alleged crimes were destroyed. In the years that followed soon after Emperor Uda's reign, Sugawara Michizane's vengeful ghost, who has since been deified as the kami Tenjin, would continue to be blamed for every large-scale disaster that befell the state as well as the Fujiwara clan. Their grip on the reins of power were already well cemented by this point, however, and there would not be a repeat of Emperor Shomu's reign when the Fujiwara were systematically excluded from high office while the Tachibana and other rivals were promoted in their stead. More shrines would be built, prayers would be said, and services performed to satisfy the angry dead in the meantime. Eventually, Tenjin would evolve from a kami of disasters and misfortune to something that more closely resembled Sugawara Michizane during his life. The Dazaifu Tenmangu Shrine still exists to this day, but Michizane's spirit is no longer said to be angry. Having reverted to his primary form as a scholar, his shrine is a popular place for adolescents across Japan to make pilgrimage in order to pray for his help on their various exams. The shrine has a massive collection of 6,000 plum trees in honor of Michizane's love of that flowering fruit tree. Emperor Daigo's reign was not defined solely by the disasters and misfortunes attributed to the angry ghost of Sugawara Michizane. 
During his early reign, he showed a particular interest in creating a grand work of poetry, called Waka, to inspire future generations. He appointed several courtiers famous for their command of poetry to the task, and they produced the Kokin Wakashu, a collection of ancient and modern poems. The beginning of the preface is beautifully worded. Waka, that's just poetry, has its roots in the human heart and flourishes in the myriad leaves of words. Being a devout Buddhist, he sponsored some new building projects, particularly at Daigoji Temple. This effort was limited by both the government's resources and the trend against inviting too much involvement from the religious establishment, but is nonetheless noteworthy because his posthumous name, Daigo Tenno, was derived from his support of the Daigo Temple, where he became a monk after retiring. The late 920s brought more lightning strikes, storms, and other disasters attributed to Michizane's ghost. In late 930, Emperor Daigo himself became terribly ill. He was 46 years old, and he feared that he may not recover, that Michizane would have his ultimate revenge by killing him. In October of that year, he officially abdicated, and his son, Crown Prince Hiro Akira, was enthroned. He is remembered as Emperor Suzaku. Daigo Tenno has an interesting legacy because he was the last sovereign to truly govern independent of a regent until the Meiji period. He is also notable for how long he held the office of emperor, an impressive 33 years. This was longer than Kamu Tenno or Saga Tenno, and in fact it would prove to be the longest reign of any emperor of the Heian period. Building long-term imperial independence, however, simply was not one of his objectives. The curse of Sugawara Michizane hung over his head, and the many problems emerging in the provinces were too much for him to handle, though George Sansom comments that it is doubtful whether the most resolute statesman could have found remedies of the troubles of the time. Even if they sometimes chafed at the indignity of regency, the hard fact was that the emperors needed the support and influence of the Fujiwara clan. By the end of Emperor Daigo's reign, and likely before it began, Fujiwara power was a political constant that kept even the most independent of emperors comfortably on the throne through its network of client clans, wealth, and prestige. Daigo Tenno died about a week after abdicating the throne, taking orders as a Buddhist monk just before expiring. His son, Emperor Suzaku, was only nine years old at the time, and thus he needed a regent, specifically a sesho, to govern on his behalf. Fujiwara Tadahira was only too happy to oblige. The young emperor's mother was not only a Fujiwara, she was also Tadahira's sister. Her name was Fujiwara Onshi, and she held a lot of influence over her son's decisions. While she was a somewhat powerful empress dowager, she seems to have understood not to take things too far. While it was 160 years since the reign of Empress Shotoku, 
the court still looked at ambitious women with a measure of suspicion which could prove dangerous. Empress Onchi never gave them an excuse to act against her, and because of her prudent guidance as the head of the imperial family, the position of Empress Dowager became a respectable and influential office for future generations. In 931, just a year into Tadahira's new regency, retired Emperor Uda passed away. He was 65 years old, and with his death the outsized power vested in the regency now had absolutely no competition. The fate of the nation was fully vested in the hands of the Fujiwara clan, and specifically those of Fujiwara Tadahira. However, the new regent would soon find that power sometimes does not live up to the hype. Next time we'll discuss the troubled reign of Emperor Suzaku, which culminated in a regional spat that transformed into the first real samurai rebellion. Until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at A History of Japan, visit the online store ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com, and find us on the web, ahistoryofjapan.com. Thank you.